fail, and people are like, eh, we've seen that show before. We don't want to see that anymore. Uh, is it just too much stuff going on? I started to talk to some of the other pastors in the you know, Church of God, and some of them were, all the churches are having the same deal. Usually about summertime, people go and they start doing their summer things, which is awesome. We used to do that all the time, and for us it was more of a spring thing, basketball games, man, we were. But a lot of the churches in the Church of God seem to be uh, having trouble getting their, getting people back, getting them back. And you think by wintertime, you know, you start to get everybody back. It's not just us. I mean, a lot of churches, Lawrenceville's, I was talking to Alan, he, he's, they're seeing a, a drop-off in attendance. And so just as an aside, if you'd pray for, you know, pray for not only this church, as I know you do, but pray for the, you know, our whole uh, general conference, you know, that people would, uh, you, you know, whatever it is that, that's going on, that they would find a need again to want to be here, to, to be involved, and, uh, you know, so that they can be blessed and, and bless other people, so. How many of you, <clears throat> growing up, have, any of you ever get called to the principal's office? Look at them, half the church raised their hand out there. You got called to the principal's office? Yeah, you, she gave a kid a bloody nose. So, Karen, you got called to the principal's office? Yeah, there was a bunch of kids that were like, you know, you may or may not have been involved with that. So. <laughs> well, I was, uh, one of the things that I do sometimes up at school is I, uh, I, I help out the principals if they're out of the book. I have my principal's license, so I, I kind of help out. And... Uh, there have been times I've had to call kids down to the office. And it's always interesting. You'll get two types usually. One kid will come in. He's like, hey, what's up? You know, he's in there about every, you know, twice a week he's in the office. He knows the secretaries by first name. You know, he hangs out down there half the time. And then you'll get these kids that come in. They're just like practically trembling. Like, you know, I, I called this one gal down to the office of, not that she had done anything, but I know that she had seen something that had happened. I said, well, why don't you come on down here? Let's... And she come walking, and she sat down, and she was just shaking. And I'm like, it's okay, kid. You're, you're not in any trouble. Well, I, I, I saw this, and, and I don't want to get in trouble. I'm like, you're not in trouble. You know, just tell me what happened. And then she was so relieved. She was like, oh, I'm so relieved. I'm not in trouble. I'm like, you didn't do anything to get into trouble. It's all right. But yet... Myself, as a, you know, I've been a teacher for 23 years. I've coached for 30 years. I'm almost 50 years old. When my principal, who's very friendly, we get along fantastic. He calls me up and says, John, I need you to stop down here in the office for a minute or two. Okay. I got to tell you, I was scared. I didn't want to go to the principal's office. I'm like, what's he going to do? What's going on in here? You know, am I in trouble? Am I going to get it? Well, if you have an unhealthy fear of the boss man or whatever, I mean, that, that can really affect your relationship. It can affect what's going on. Many Christians, I'm afraid, sometimes have an unhealthy fear of God. And that's kind of what I want to look at today, if you have this uh, an unhealthy fear. Now, the Bible does say to fear God. And when I was little, I thought that meant, like, be afraid of him. Fear God. I'm scared of God. <laughs> You're going to get me. He's like the great principal in the sky that's going to bring down the 
judgment and, you know, whatever. And, but, you know, fear of God really refers to a, a reverence for him. Uh, uh, oh, God, you're amazing. You're mighty. You're holy. You're, you're so far above, you know, all of this. And, uh, but for some people, there is, I think, an unhealthy fear of God. And, and I've seen it in people here. I've seen it in my own life. Uh, I want to read from the book of Luke today, Luke chapter 15, many of you know this story, talking about the prodigal son. Now, I'm not going to read the whole story, but I want to focus on the, the prodigal son a little bit in his relationship with his father. And in Luke chapter 15, starting at verse 11, let me just read through the story again. And he said, a man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of my estate that, that falls to me. So he divided his wealth between them. And not many days later, the younger son gathered everything together and went on a journey into a distant country. And there he squandered his estate with loose living. Now when he had spent everything, a severe famine occurred in the land and he began to be impoverished. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country and he sent him into his fields to feed the swine. And he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the swine were eating and no one was giving anything to him. But when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread? For I'm dying out here with hunger. I'll get up and go to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men. So he got up and came to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion for him and ran and embraced him and kissed him. You can imagine the way that the son reacts to this. Of course, the Bible says that the, the, the boy is shocked. Dad, I've, I've sinned against you. I, you gave me the money. I went out and I blew it all. Not even on good things. I mean, I loose living. This man knew in, in a lot of ways, you know, he probably wondered, how is dad going to react to this? If I can just get him to just take me back as a hired hand, That'll be good enough. He was afraid of his father. He didn't want to go back. He was forced to. He had no other options. It's the last straw. I'm all washed up. I got to go back. He was afraid of his father. He had an unhealthy fear. How long did that man suffer? How long did that guy go without food? How long did he suffer among the pigs before he finally sucked it up and went back and said, I've got to go see my father? Christians, we do the same thing. How many times do we wallow in our, our pride and our doubt and our pain before we go back to the Father? An unhealthy fear of God can interrupt that relationship that God desperately wants to have with, with you. I, I tell that to, to kids and stuff a lot, you know, the idea that yeah, look, we all mess up. Everybody sins. Everybody's got these things. None of us are perfect. We all make mistakes. 
But God has provided a way out of that. God wants, God is the model here in this story. God's the father who's looking down the road. When's my son coming home? And the son comes. And instead of meeting him with a stern look, "Uh uh-huh, told you you'd blow all that money. I knew I couldn't trust you. And here you are, groveling, trying to get back again. Verse 20, but the father saw him, felt compassion for him, and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm not worthy to be called your son. But the father said, quickly bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand, put sandals on his feet. Let's celebrate. My son is home. He was dead and now he's he's alive. And they all celebrated and of course it goes on, the other brother was salty, the one that, that did all the good things. He was like, how can you, you know, welcome him back so easily? And the father's like, I love both of you. I love my son. So an unhealthy fear of God, being afraid of God, uh, like this son was here. Afraid to go back to God when he knew that he had squandered the blessings that he had been given. Many of us will find ourselves in that situation where we've blown it and we're hesitant to come back to the Father. But the Father's waiting there with compassion. He says, I want you to come back. I'm waiting on you. Come back. Sometimes when we're afraid of God, I think we, uh, when we're afraid, we have this unhealthy fear of God. I I think we have a tendency to want to hide our talents. We're afraid to serve him. If we're really afraid of God, we're afraid to get involved sometimes. We're afraid to to serve him, afraid of what he might ask us to do. Matthew chapter 25, Jesus is uh, telling a uh, uh, a parable here. And it's the, the, the parable of the talents. And, uh, you know, he had the, the master was, was leaving, and so he got some of his helpers to, like, look, you take care of my money. You get some, you get some, you get some. Verse 24, and the one also who had received the one talent, one little piece of money, here you go, you take care of this. I'm going on a trip, take this money, do something with it, and I'll be, I'll be back later. And the one, verse 24, and the one also who had received the one talent, came up and said, Master, I knew you were a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed, and I was afraid. And went away and hid your talent in the ground. See, here's what's yours. Let me at least give this back to you. I I kept an eye on that and kept it to myself, but I didn't lose it. Of course, the master, he gets really angry about that. Ah, you're lazy, but, you know, what are you doing? You, you should go out there and use this and go and... Sometimes when we're afraid of God, I think we're afraid to serve him. We're afraid. God has given all of us talents, skills, spiritual gifts, and he wants us to use them, to invest them for the kingdom of God. But if we have this unhealthy fear of God... You know, God's a hard man. What if I, what if I want to serve and, and I mess it up? Is God going to be angry? Uh, you know, God gives me these things, and uh, you know, I'd like to get involved at church, but you know, who am I? 
What what should I do? All of us have been given gifts. And if we have a love for God, if we're not afraid of Him, if we're not having this unhealthy fear of Him, we'll be willing to use our gifts, our talents, to serve Him. Sometimes I think people who are afraid of God, they serve with the wrong motivation. Okay, they're, they're, they're serving out of a wrong motivation. John chapter 6, I found this, this passage, um, 26 and 27. Jesus answered them and said, Truly, truly, I say to you, you seek me. Not because you saw signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Okay, he's talking to this big crowd here, and there were a lot of people who were following Jesus. And he, Jesus kind of says, look, I know a lot of you are here, not because of you want to listen to me, but you're, you just like getting free fish and chips, and you, you, you like getting little free food. You know, I, I get it. You, you're coming here. Verse 27, do not work for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to eternal life which the Son of Man will give to you, for on him the Father God has set his seal. You ever had a friend or a colleague who only wanted your friendship for as long as you had something to give them, like money or stuff? I had a a friend growing up, a couple friends actually growing up, and it took me years later to realize the only reason they were my friends is because I gave them rides to school. I'd, I'd give them lunch money. Uh, I'd give them this, give them that, uh, do this for them, do that for them, cover for them when I got in trouble here. Do, you know, after a while, it became obvious that you know these guys. They're, being friends is it's a matter of convenience for them. We're friends for the wrong reasons. But as soon as you no longer have the very thing they want from you, then you hardly hear from them anymore. My friends, one time it was a two-hour delay. And up at Graham, that was about every other week. We'd have a two-hour delay or cancellation back in the day. Anyways, uh, and every day my friends would stand out in front of this house and and flag me down, want me to pick them up. So my sister and I are hurrying to, to school and there they are out there waving, and I just right on by. Went up to school, and they're standing back there like this. Sure enough, they get to school later, and like, what are you doing? You left us there. You know, we, we got in trouble because you left us there. And I was like, man, I'm not giving you any more rides. We were late. I had to get my sister to school. I don't have time to stop and, you know, and, and so this whole thing, we had a big blow up over that. But after that, oh, no, they didn't want ride with me anymore. They didn't want this. They didn't want... That's fine. You know, sometimes we treat God the same way. We seek God for what He can do for us. Not really for who He is. Many people don't really want God. They want what God can give them. They don't really seek to have a genuine and obedient relationship. It's just, you know, God is the key to Material wealth. I've heard preachers preach that idea. You just believe enough, and if you're good enough, God will bless you with all this money. 
Prosperity gospel, I think, is a, is a very wrong theory. We don't worship God for what he can give to us, other than the fact that he is who he is. He is God Almighty. Yes, he offers us salvation, but that's only because of his grace, because he, he desired to do that. There's nothing any of us could ever do to, re, to earn that gift. It's just something he freely gives. And because of that, we should serve him with a good and honest motivation. You know, like the 5,000 followers that followed Jesus around, it's possible today that people follow a church or appear to follow Jesus not because they seek to become like him or to serve God, but because they want material or temporary money and, and that they think God's going to give to them. There are also those who have an unhealthy fear of God that can lead to, uh, to legalism. Uh, legalism? Well, here I am. I'm a teacher. I, I, work, I live in a world of isms. Isms and ologies. Okay? And people are like, I don't want to... Too many isms and ologies out there. I don't know what you're talking about. Well, an unhealthy fear of God can cause us to become very legalistic. Instead of freely worshiping and serving God, we get caught up in list making and, and checking off spiritual boxes. Did I tithe my 10%? Check. Did I pray before I ate? Check. Did I uh, remember to uh, go to church on Sunday? Check. Did you go to church on Oh, you didn't get to check your box this week. You see, in that we become these rules and sort of we miss out on the whole purpose of, of participating within the greater kingdom of God. I mean, if we're afraid of God, we've got to make sure we check off all the boxes instead of saying, Lord, I want to serve you. Some days I get the boxes checked, some days I don't. But your grace is there, and, and uh, what I feel inside my self-worth comes out of knowing that you love me and that you gave your son for me. My worth is not wrapped up in how many things I did or how many boxes I got checked off. Because I know that doing good works is, will never appease God. It will never appease the wrath of God. My dad and I used to argue about that a long time before he was saved. He thought, look, if you're a good person... You're saved. It's what's in your heart. And I kept telling him, look, the Bible says the heart is desperately wicked. Who could ever possibly know the, the human heart? Yeah, but we, we do all these good things. You just got to be good to people. See, the, all the good people are going to go to, you know, to the kingdom, and all of this stuff's going to happen. People who are afraid of God, they have that hope. I don't want to be at the end of my life thinking and hoping that I was good enough. There are many religions that are like that. Boy, I sure hope I was good enough. Am I going to Nirvana? Am I going to the happy hunting grounds? Am I going to go off to, uh, <clears throat> to heaven with, the, with Allah? And, you know, where am I going? I, I just got to hope that I was good enough. 
not the way it works. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. Many of you probably have this memorized, especially some of those of you who have been members here for a very long time. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one can boast. Amen. There's nothing we can do that can appease the punishment that we deserve for our sin. But God makes a way through the blood of Christ. He makes a way if we just accept that in faith. I think sometimes an unhealthy fear of God, as I thought about this, uh, I match this up with some of the things I've learned in psychology over the years, uh, a lot of times, I think, especially for, well, for everybody, uh, our view of God sometimes is wrapped up in the way we tend to see our own fathers or our own, some, you know, uh, paternal authority figure. In other words, if your dad was a warm, fuzzy dad, God's a big, warm, fuzzy dad in the sky. But if your dad was a hard man... Well, God's a hard man. And I think it's it's natural for us to do that. Uh, when I was a kid, man, I got... Um, and my parents deeply loved me. Mom, sorry. Mom gets angry at me when I, I bring up mom stories sometimes. Sorry, Mom. <laughs> Don't mean to. One time I ran away from home when I was a little kid. I probably told you the story. I ran away from home, <clears throat> ran over down to my grandma's house. Figured that was far enough. I got to go live with grandma. Well, mom caught me running through the field. And she set off after me, blazing, you know, and she ran me down just as I got to grandma's and I was climbing over the fence. And mom grabbed me and pulled me off there. And grandma's like, Oh, he's a good little boy. He'll be all right. Mom's like, Oh, that's okay. That's okay. Meanwhile, she's pulling a switch off the tree. And I got it, man. Now, if that's the only way my parents ever disciplined me, I mean, I may have problems with God. I may look to God and say, you know, people who are in charge, eh, when you screw up, man, that's how they get you. Our Heavenly Father is not like that. Yes, for those who ultimately refuse His gift of grace, at the end, there will be punishment. But for those who believe, God is not like that. God is like the man in the story with the prodigal son. Look, here he comes. That's my son. But, but you know, he screwed up. I don't care if he screwed up. He's coming home. I love him. <laughs> I remember uh, one of my aunts Whenever I'd stay with them, they, they used to drive her crazy. God love her. Because I would, never mind. <laughs> but she would always try to get me to confess to, to either if I told a fib or to get me to rat somebody out. All right, I was the one, that, yeah, usually my cousins, they're the ones who put me up to something or they did it and blamed it on me. And, you know, and she would, uh, and I remember she would always look at me and go, now you can lie to me. 
But there's one you can never lie to. You know who I'm talking about. She's talking about God. And I'm like, uh-huh, I can never lie because he knows. And so some parents, sometimes we get into that, that thing of, you know, God's going to get you. Well, God's not in the game of playing gotcha. Okay, he wants, he wants to love you and forgive you. That's why he sent his son. Our God is uh, our God is awesome and amazing. And then for many people, there's just a simple belief, and you know they, they fear God because they don't understand Him, because they don't. He's He's too mighty, too too large, too far out there. How can we ever know Him? And in some ways, yeah, that's probably true. I I don't really know. I how could I possibly know the things of God? I couldn't know that. You know, during the uh, oh the mid 1700s, we had this thing called the 1600s, 1700s. This thing called the Enlightenment. People began to use logic and reason to try to figure out, you know, nature and the way things work and the way things uh, man works. And so we developed scientific principles and methods, and that was supposed to replace, uh, you know, tall tales and myths and legends like religion and fairy tales and God and all that. And we're going to use nature, you know, mathematics. We're going to prove things through the scientific method. I have nothing against the scientific method. I think it's a gift of God. But many times for the people in those days and still today, their thoughts were, God is so big and mighty, there's, we can't objectively study him. How can we possibly know him? He's too far. He's too too far out there. They they call it the clockmaker theory. The universe is like a giant clock. God's the maker, and he he got the universe going, and he wound it up like a clock, and then he he let her go, and he stood back and just watched it run. And that's what a good clockmaker does. The clockmaker, if the clock's keeping time, you're not in there messing around with it. Many people look at God that way. He created this universe, created the things in it, but he's, he took a step back. He really doesn't care about you as much as you think he does. It'd be like me worrying about little ants running around in an anthill. Oh, that poor little ant. I wouldn't give an anthill a second thought. Thankfully, my God is not like that. That is not our God. Psalm 73, but as for me, the nearness of God is my good. I have made the Lord God my refuge that I may tell of all your works. Psalm 16, I have set the Lord continually before me. Because he's at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Psalm 34, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted. And saves those who are crushed in spirit. He's not out there somewhere. He's real close. He's there. Psalm 119. You are near, O Lord, and all your commandments are truth. Psalm 145. The Lord is near to all who call upon him. To all who call upon his name. Jeremiah 23. Am I a God who is near? declares the Lord, and not a God far off. God is near. God is near. 
He wants to be near to you. He doesn't want to be far away, off in the middle of the universe somewhere where we can't touch him. And when we're afraid of God, remember this, James chapter 4, draw near to God. He will draw near to you. You know, God is very near to all of us. God wants us to, to have a healthy reverence for him, the fear of God, but he doesn't want us to be afraid of him. We don't live in the days of the Old Testament. We live in the days of Christ. We live in an age of grace. So if you've screwed up, if you've messed up, confess your sins to the God who wants to draw near to you, who wants to love you, who wants you to understand that I paid the price. I threw my son Jesus. You are forgiven. Draw near to me, I'm drawing near to you. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of your heavenly father. Developing that unhealthy fear of God, it just gunks everything up. Our relationships with him, our ability to serve, our expectations as to what God provides. Next time you, you begin to think that you know, maybe God is out there and he doesn't really care that much, think about that story of the prodigal son. Think about God standing there, or the, the man in the story, looking down the road, waiting on his son to come home. And then throwing up a massive party. <laughs> you know, doing the whole, killed the fatted calf. Because he was dead, and now he's alive. It's right to celebrate. Your father loves you. It's okay to love him. And not be afraid. Shall we pray? Father in heaven, I, I thank you, God, that uh, you've made it clear to us that you're not a God who's out there somewhere, but you're a God who's very near, very close to us. Lord, help us to balance that healthy reverence and respect for you with, with the acknowledgement that you're a kind and wonderful God who desires relationship with his people. Lord, help us to serve with right motivations and with a good heart. Father, we love you today and thank you for the grace through your son Christ. Amen.